Compared to continuing generation students, first-gen students experience a higher risk of not completing a college degree. In this episode, we discuss a study abroad program for first-gen students that is designed to build their confidence, sense of belonging, and help them understand the connection between their education and their career goals. Thanks for joining us for Tea for Teaching, an informal discussion of innovative and effective practices in teaching and learning. This podcast series is hosted by John Kane, an economist, and Rebecca Mushter, a graphic designer, and features guests doing important research and advocacy work to make higher education more inclusive and supportive of all learners. Our guests today are Sue Roberts, Marianne Young, and Beth Hahnemann. Sue is the Associate Provost for Internationalization at the University of Kentucky. Marianne is the Assistant Vice President for Smart Campus Initiatives at the University of Kentucky. And Beth is the Associate Director of Career Advising and Career Education, also at the University of Kentucky. Welcome, Sue, Marianne, and Beth. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Today's teas are... Sue, are you drinking any tea? I am not drinking tea right now, but if I were in my normal space, I would be drinking tea. Yes. Do you have a favorite kind? I do. It's a rooibos tea, a red bush tea. Wonderful. Marianne, how about you? I'm not currently drinking tea, but I have one on the ready. It is a lovely wild sweet orange. Nice. How about you, Beth? So I went to Montana this past summer for a yoga retreat and fell in love with huckleberry. So I now drink a wild huckleberry tea at least once a week. And that's what I'm having this morning. I have never had that. I think it's a first on the podcast. It is. I am drinking an Irish breakfast tea. And I have a jasmine dragon pearl this morning. Dragon pearls. Dragon pearls. Okay. <laughs> so we have mythical tea. <laughs> We've read about the Explore First Study Abroad program in an article in the Chronicle recently. And so we invited you here to talk about that. Could you give us an overview of this program? Sure. It's a new program for the University of Kentucky, run for the first time in summer 2023. We took 60 students, 60 undergraduate students, all of them first-generation students, to either London or Dublin for a three-week education abroad program focused on career readiness. Can you talk a little bit about how this program came about? It came about in many different ways, actually. There were conversations happening on our campus for probably two or three years before COVID even among different colleagues, some in the career center wondering how they could produce really good career readiness, education abroad programming, some in the Office of First Generation Student Success thinking about how we could do a better job in introducing first generation students to education abroad. And then in the International Center, in the Education Abroad Office itself, there were lots of conversations about how we could partner with colleagues across campus to develop programs that would reach this demographic. One of the things we were really intrigued about was a program that was designed to benefit first-gen students, as well as providing those career readiness skills. Could you describe a little bit how this program integrates that career focus? Yeah, I'll take that one. So over in the Career Center, we have the National Association called NACE and they have NACE competencies. And so when you start thinking about any major that a student has, you want them to make sure that they have those skill sets. So when they actually get into the workforce, they're able to be analytical. They're able to have communication skills. 
And what I love about the first gen program and explore first within that is the idea of how do you do that in a global setting? And so when you start thinking about designing this curriculum, and me and Marianne had the privilege of helping to work on that, it was this idea of we had to at least find out what the foundation is that the students had. And so instead of thinking about block scheduling, where a lot of times professors may say, we're going to do one topic and then go to another, I did more of what we call spire curriculum, where you introduce a topic and we brought it in here in the United States before we left. So maybe it was resumes, where they had to create a resume and work on a resume ahead of time. And then when we're overseas, we reintroduced resumes to say, how would you put this Explore First experience on your actual resume? Kind of the same when it came to networking. What does that look like to navigate, to connect with people? Okay, great. We do that here in the United States. But then how do you do that in a global setting? So it was one of those things where you can actually see that reinforced. I also thought that was really cool when it came to interviewing as well, of having that prep for the students within that area. We have a couple of other episodes of Tea for Teaching that also talk about the NACE competencies that we'll link in our show notes for folks that are interested in that particular detail. So we just talked about NACE. Can you talk a little bit about the benefits that students get from it being a study abroad experience? Yeah, at least for myself, the world is definitely interconnected. And so what I loved about how we interacted with employers is that we first looked at those that were connected here to Kentucky. And then we reached out with those that would be overseas. So for example, we have a company named Alltech that's located here in Lexington. And so our students on the Dublin trip was able to actually go see their location. So it wasn't one of those things that, oh, hey, we're just randomly seeing a company. We were very methodical about how that connection is. Another company, Compass, for example, does food services for our University of Kentucky healthcare system. So it wasn't one of those things of just like, oh, we're just going to go see a company. It was one of those elements of, Not only is this making this connection abroad, but how does this actually impact me back home? And we would actually talk about that. Students would be like, all right, yes, you see this in another country. How does cultural awareness make a difference? How does being able to navigate and learn about yourself influence who you're going to be back at UK? And one of my favorite questions we asked in the interviews that they had to do for one of the assignments was if you're back on the college campus and you run into the university president, what are two things you tell them about the program? And it was really cool to hear from the student, like, I didn't think I could learn so much about myself in three weeks, let alone three months about a career. And others have never been on a plane before to navigate what that looks like. So even if you go into the job market, most likely somewhere along the line, you're probably going to have to travel somewhere and do connections. But to have that support, to have other people with them when they did it for the first time was really impactful. I love that reflection question. (laughs) So many benefits to that. I think the global stage also provides a really unique opportunity to just boost confidence with these students. As Beth was talking about, some of our students had never been on a plane. And not only did they navigate getting on a plane, they navigated getting into and past customs and immigration and all of that. And then the most surprising piece to me in terms of what this looked like in terms of that confidence boost is at the beginning of our course sessions with the students, they put together kind of a, these are what my goals are currently. And by the end of the program, not only physically the confidence that you saw as they stood in front of the class and they were presenting what their new goals were, for some of the students, it expanded the opportunities that they were considering. They had never considered what it might be like to be in a leadership position in a global organization. Or for the other students, it solidified what it was that they were wanting to do. And that confidence that they had of, yes, I'm on the right path, I think came from them navigating situations that they hadn't been in before. And then being able to connect with different companies and different leadership individuals within the company who they could see like, oh my gosh, they were first generation as well. 
And now they've moved abroad and they have this position in the company and the confidence that came from being able to navigate an international city, as well as I have confidence in how I'm going to navigate my career pathway. That was so amazing to see in these students. I will agree with that. I visited, I think, three of the four programs. The program was split into four different groups. Two went to Dublin, two to London. So there were 15 students in each. And I think I visited three of them over the course of the summer. And to see that confidence grow almost hourly was incredible. And I will say that I think it translates, we're hoping anyway, that it will translate into a greater understanding and kind of sense of purpose as a student. So you can see the point of your degree. You can see the point of why you're struggling through this or that course to make it through to graduation. And of course, we want to see good results in terms of retention rates and graduation rates. I've had the opportunity to teach a couple of travel courses where I've had students who had never traveled before, some within the U.S. and some travel abroad. And I agree that seeing the confidence growth in students is such a rewarding experience for the instructors as well as for the students. It's a really powerful experience. But one of the things that I really love that you're describing is this connection to alumni and those really specific intentional connections between the businesses locally as well as abroad. That's a really beautiful component of your program. And one of the challenges that all colleges face is the relatively high DFW rates generally experienced by first-gen students. And by making clear to the students the salience and the relevance of the material that they're learning and how this can open up these possibilities to them in a very obvious manner that they may not naturally see, I can imagine this could be really transformative. I think one of the great moments we had as we were visiting one of our employer partners is Beth was talking about the spiral curriculum. We had talked about LinkedIn profiles and been helping them. And then we get to this employer visit and they start talking about LinkedIn profiles. And it is almost the exact lecture we had given that morning. And students are turning around and saying, oh my gosh, you told us that this morning. And here's this employer saying this exact same stuff. You were right. And so we revisited again and then the next employer. And so it was the aha moment of, oh my gosh, this is actually something that I'm going to need and I'm going to use as I navigate my career. Can you talk a little bit about what a typical day for a student looks like in this program? There was no typical day, but this will kind of give you some activities. They may have been shuffled around a bit. We'd start off with maybe some class time, reviewing the visit maybe we'd had the day before, talking about the experiences that the students had, answering any questions they may have had, how they navigated a challenge, just really taking time to connect and then help them build on the information that we were presenting. Once we kind of move through class time, we might have visited an employer in the afternoon and done a site visit where we not only learned about the company, but also some of our employers took us through exercises like design thinking at some of our tech companies or walking us through interviews and resume reviews in terms of a mock opportunity if you were applying to their company. And then we may also have a cultural visit in the afternoon, visiting a significant landmark in the area or learning about the history and the culture of the particular space that the students were in. And then in the evenings, our students would maybe get together and cook in their residence hall, or they might go out to dinner together. And so generally we had class time and some cultural visits or an employer visit. Yeah, exactly what Marianne said. And when you think about over the three weeks, because we were there for three weeks with these students, the beginning part of the classes were more kind of prep and foundation to get them to know what to expect. And so we broke teams of three. And so we would have one person would be the person that was in charge of introducing the group. We had one person that was the photographer and one person that was in charge of the thank you at the end for each site visit. And that was really cool to see them learn collaboration 
but also kind of change up and like, oh, well, this person is really interested in architecture. So we're going to have him be the speaker for this one. And then I'll do the photography. And this one over here, we as a group, we actually wrote the thank you note together of what that means to follow up within it, kind of expectations within it. So that was really cool in terms of curriculum of kind of how we set that beginning. And then closer to the end, like Marianne said, was more like review. What did you learn from it and reflection? Do students travel with faculty or staff from the University of Kentucky or do they work with faculty and staff at the host campus? We structured this program so that each group of students was accompanied and led by two professional staff members from the campus. Typically, it was a person from the Career Center and a person from the Office of First Generation Student Support. So it gave the students oftentimes very familiar people who understood where they're coming from and the skills they brought to the table, but also a person with the career advice ready for them kind of as needed. So it worked really well, I think, to have those program leaders on the ground with the students. And we weren't hosted by a university, although we did visit universities in both locations, but we worked with an education abroad partner provider called AIFS. And they provided the classrooms, they assisted us find student accommodation, and they worked on us with the cultural visits. I think I remember also reading that you did some work prior to going abroad and some coursework there. Can you talk a little bit about what that looked like? We had an opportunity in clusters with these students. We broke them into smaller groups to help prepare them for what to expect as they were preparing for their education abroad experience. And so we covered a variety of topics of what about your luggage? What is a carry-on? What is a checked bag? How do you move through security? What can you expect in an airport? What can you expect in terms of customs and immigration? We talked about how to prepare for the weather, how to think about budgeting and being prepared for different costs of things, or how you might be able to consider all of the different pieces and parts of preparing for souvenirs that you want to get, or all those different things, a variety of cluster topics to make sure that our students not only had a connection with the person that they were going to be traveling with, but also the other students. And then it gave a space for any of the questions that students may have had as they were preparing for this experience. It's just a great way because a lot of times when I've done education abroad, you might meet at the airport for the first time. But what I loved about this program is that we literally got to know each other prior to at least kind of understand maybe some of the things that they were concerned about as a student. And so then as a, a staff member, we can be like, okay, let me give you some extra resources. I remember one particular student, I ended up calling her mom and her was on a phone because she's like, okay, Beth, I know you went through the whole situation of what we need to do for the airport, but my mom has questions. And I was like, sure, no problem. Let's talk. And so her mom was like, oh, nice to meet you, Beth. Her mom dropped her off at the airport, gave me the biggest hug. When her mom picked us up, she like was giving everybody in the group a hug because we were extended family for them for three weeks. Can you talk a little bit about the timing of the program? So last year, it was the first time through. So I think we had to do things very quickly. We had to assemble a team. We had to get these clusters stood up. We had to recruit students. We had to find the scholarships for them and all the rest of it in kind of a hurry. So this year, we're spacing it out a bit more. So we're recruiting for summer 24 right now. And we're going to repeat the program. We're going to take 30 students in two groups to London and 30 to Dublin in two groups. So we're excited about that. And then the travel occurs during the summer vacation early in the summer vacation, so May and June this year. The interesting piece of the timing as well is I was on the first group that went to Dublin, and we were actually able to connect with the group that was coming after us in the airport. 
as they were preparing to go out. So my students were able to pass along some words of wisdom and some thoughts to the group that was coming after them. And so that was a really fun piece with the timing and to be able to catch up with each other in the airport. In terms of curriculum, the way it was set up, there was one class that everybody was part of. So we actually met as a group virtually with all 60 students ahead of time. So everyone had that basic foundation. And then um, when we're actually over there, that was when we did the actual classes for the individual pieces. So I did Dublin 2 and London 1. And so at the same time, we're having curriculum in terms of giving feedback for the next group coming over. Now, you mentioned that there was some time spent acquiring funding. Could you talk a little bit about the funding that was used for this program? Sure. And this is a little unusual, I think. It was a surprise to us when the Kentucky State Legislature, our General Assembly, awarded some funding to all Kentucky institutions of higher education to support displaced students, so refugee students primarily. As part of that program, they allocated a certain amount of funding also to support education abroad and exchanges. So when we realized that, which was only in the summer before, so summer 22, we thought, aha, we could finally make this happen, this thing we've all been talking about in different ways about connecting careers, connecting first-generation students with education abroad and making a real difference for those students. And we could do it at a, actually a quite a big scale for education abroad. 60 students is quite significant. So we seized the opportunity. The trick then, of course, was to find matching money because it didn't cover everything. So we found some money internally at the university. We used education abroad scholarships. Our administration at the very highest levels awarded us some funding to kind of back us up if we needed it. So it was a team effort. And this upcoming year, we don't have the state money. That was a one-time deal. So we're funding it all from our university funds. So cost is always a concern, I think, for first-gen students and maybe one of the reasons why they don't even think they might ever go abroad. I know that was the case for me as a student. I didn't think I was ever going to get a chance to go abroad, but I got to when I was in graduate school. So can you talk a little bit about what this meant to the first-gen students or if you had trouble initially even getting them to think that they could really actually participate in this program? Yes, one of our students on Dublin 2 got the email about applying and that the program was going to be there when we started doing the recruitment. And he was like, is this a scam? Is this true? We went over to the first-gen office to verify because he's like, it sounded too good to be true. And so once we got the word out that it was, of course, students applied and said, okay, let's do this. You're absolutely right that it's the number one barrier of first-generation students is finances. And I think it was a majority of our students on this program are Pell recipients. So first-gen is a very big category, but we did try and make a difference, particularly for students whose financial means were limited. So it was a tremendous opportunity for them. And as Beth said, some of them were very disbelieving at first of the opportunity. They couldn't understand how this was happening because they hadn't thought that this was something that they could ever achieve. And that was another reason why we kept it to three weeks, because many of these students, well, in fact, I would say all of them were working during the summer. So three weeks away from your summer job and earning is a big deal. And others had family obligations as caregivers and so on. So that's the reason why we ended up with the three-week time frame was partly to be sensitive to those needs. And then in terms of the financing, London is an expensive city and Dublin is an expensive city. And these are young people. These are primarily first and second year university undergraduates. So budgeting to shop, to eat, to go out is difficult. And especially when it's a different currency and the options are different, you know, the prices are different. So that was a big element that we've reflected on since this first time through. And 
I think we'll be maybe just a little bit more supportive. We were supportive, but maybe just a little bit more supportive of how to budget when overseas because they were responsible for their own spending money on this program. What about things like food or other personal costs for travel? Was that included in the program? So there were a few meals included. There were a few like welcome dinners and things like that included. But by and large, students were responsible for their own catering, as it were, for their own food. And it turned out that was kind of an issue because it takes a bit of knowledge of the stores and what's available and what's affordable. It takes a bit of knowledge of how to cook in a budget conscious way and not just grab the processed thing. And of course, these supermarkets are unfamiliar. And I would say one thing we did think a lot about upon return and when we debriefed this was giving the students a bit more time to adjust to that situation and to learn their options and to cook. Because sometimes we were so busy with all these things we were doing every day that they didn't have much time to plan their suppers or to go shopping and cook. So I'll let Beth and Marianne chime in because they were on the ground. They know more. But that was the kind of impression I got. So we had some bargain shoppers in my group that found meal deals at like close Tesco's, things like that. And so it was always kind of a competition of, did you know that this sandwich was included in the meal deal? And so it was a pretty inexpensive breakfast and lunch and sometimes dinner opportunity for students that became somewhat of a game to figure out like, what are you going to put in your meal deal this time? And so a lot of our students were supportive in terms of sharing different deals that restaurants were doing. Did you know that on Tuesday, they have a student special where you can get this, this and this. And so they were really great about sharing some of the tips and tricks and things that they picked up along the way. And then also sharing meals. So going to the grocery and you bought you to purchase something. Well, I may not eat this whole thing, but if you split it with me, then I'll get the next one. And so they were really great. That was really fun to see them kind of helping and sharing deals that they found along the way. And one of the things that we did is we actually offered a time if someone wanted to come with me to the grocery store. We did a local one so they could see how close something was if they by chance needed something quick to eat. But then we actually went with them, which was one was a little bit farther away of more of the discount kind of larger what they would think of a supermarket type of thing here in the United States, just because over there you kind of buy more what you need versus I'm going to have lots in the refrigerator and freezer within it. And we actually had a couple of times where we had meals together because it was someone's birthday and we wanted to celebrate. And very similar to that, Marianne said that they would be like, here's a deal or, hey, I'm going to make soup. Anybody else want? And we had one student who loved to cook and others are like, hey, awesome. I will help clean up or pitch in for some money if you would be willing to be the person that actually wanted to make the meal. And they actually collaborated teamwork that way, too. So it was really cool to see. One thing I wanted to share is the fact I think people think that education abroad is three weeks and then you're done. For us, this is a lifetime connection for these students. So we actually had dinner with both groups separately so they could get together and meet each other and see each other. I'll get messages being like, guess who I saw on campus? And they have a competition of how many times they see a certain student be like, I saw them three times this week, Beth. I saw this one four. But even more so is this confidence coming back to go after the dreams that they want. We had a student who, I'll be very honest, had a really rough home life and had a lot of confidence issues and got over there, had a chance to start talking, had a really good conversation with a couple employers. And we did a networking night where we invited all the employers back and they could come and network with the students. And she had a really good conversation with some of our staff that we actually had come over from UK to kind of see the program as well. And she followed up, wrote a note back to say, thank you for this conversation. I appreciate it. This is what I'm looking for for in terms of career or job. And that person connected her with somebody back here in Lexington. She then goes and reached out to that person, met with them, interviewed, and now has an IT position that she never thought possible a year ago. 
And so that's really cool to actually see them do the steps. It's one thing for us to say, go do. It's another for them to actually gain the confidence to do and actually obtain it. What a great story. One of the things that I think you've all mentioned is that this creates a really tight bond among the students, as well as the connections to the staff members they traveled with. And that sense of belonging has been shown in a lot of studies to be a major factor in student retention. And I think programs like this can create really strong bonds that can help students be more likely to succeed. I will agree with that. There were two young women on one of the programs who became fast friends. And I assumed they'd been friends forever. And I just was chatting with them. And I said, you know, you must have known each other a long time. They said, no, we just met. And one of them said that she was so excited to come back to UK in the fall. So this semester. And I said, well, weren't you excited anyway? And she said, no, she wasn't. That her freshman year had been a little lonely and she had not made a good connection with her roommate and was struggling a little bit to fit in. And she said, now I have a best friend on campus and we're going to have fun the next few years together. And I thought that was awesome. And I'll brag on our students. They were phenomenal. I mean, when I told people that I was going to go to a foreign country with 15 college students and we were going to travel the city and we were going to do all of the things, they looked at me like, why would you take college students to an international city? They were fantastic. They were supportive. They were curious. They were beyond what you could even imagine in terms of the questions that they were asking and the way that they engaged with the curriculum. We have phenomenal students here at the University of Kentucky, and I was lucky to get to take 15. And I have them running across campus, yelling my name, saying, oh my gosh, this is the first time that I've seen you since you've been back on campus or seeing each other on campus. It's such an honor to be a part of just that family that we now have. And like I said, they were the best students you could have ever imagined traveling with. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. So one thing that really impressed me about these students actually taught me a lot about this category first generation, which is kind of thrown around, is that these students are really amazing. I mean, to get to the University of Kentucky, to be studying their majors, to be making good academic progress is an accomplishment for these students. And they have the resilience, they have the resourcefulness, they have the curiosity, as Marianne said to make the most out of education abroad. So these are not students who took this for granted. When they were in London or Dublin, their eyes and ears were open all the time and they were busy taking it all in, reflecting on it. And they absolutely were some of the very best students I've ever seen on an education abroad program. So do you have plans to evaluate the success of this program? So yes, we built assessment into this program from the beginning. So we had a researcher from the College of Education who helped us and administered pre and then during and then post surveys of each student. So she collected information about their responses and reflections to the assignments and to their learning and also something about their intercultural learning, as it were. So we're going to also track these students and see how they do compared to their peers who didn't get the opportunity to study abroad in terms of their academic progress and their graduation. Excellent. We look forward to hearing more about how well this program works. We always end by asking, what's next? Well, we want to do this again. (laughs) So we think it's working. We've got good results so far, assuming that the next summer is also successful. We hope to just keep tweaking it, making it better and better for the students and maybe building it in as kind of a signature program for first generation students here at the University of Kentucky. An incredible thing to invest in and offer first-gen students. Thanks so much for sharing the details of your program. Thank you for having us, and thanks for your interest in this endeavor. It sounds like a wonderful program. Yeah, it's been a blast to develop and to be part of, I must say. It's been fantastic. And I, I don't think we mentioned, but perhaps we should, that 
over one quarter of our undergraduate students identify as first generation. So this is a significant population at our university, which serves students of all sorts from the state of Kentucky and outside. Excellent. Thank you both. Thank you all. Thank you for taking the time to join us and to share this wonderful program. Yeah, appreciate it. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast service. To continue the conversation, join us on our Tea for Teaching Facebook page. You can find show notes, transcripts, and other materials on teafortteaching.com. Music by Michael Gary Brewer.